Do they like keep you that. on your toes? You like like a bit of sky hooks with your uh, weekend wrap? I love a bit of horror movie. Yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> I uh, spent a few hours rearranging some files on my computer, and I've obviously picked the wrong intro. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I like that. Keep it. Keep it fresh. It's all good. I like it. Uh, welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Weekend Wrap, obviously brought to you by Crowcast, and joining me is Macca and Nikki. How are you going, guys? Yep, very good, thanks. Good to uh, hear. Very well. Good to hear. I'm very well as well. And uh, another interesting round of footy this weekend, a uh, couple of weird results, uh, but uh, thankfully the Crows getting through their tough stretch and getting over the line on Thursday night. So that's all we're really worried about. Do you guys go at all? Uh, no, I only watched it on telly. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> and as we we were just talking off um, off cast, um, I hurt my back on Wednesday. So uh, thank God for the deep heat <laughs> 16 hour back patches because I wouldn't be able to make it through the game otherwise. <laughs> well, you know, Nick, it's about time you just hung them up, don't you think? No. No. Well, I've only been playing here for three years. Oh, oh God. <laughs> well, look, as I said, it was an interesting round of footy, so why don't we get into the scores roundup, shall we? And, of course, the round started on Thursday night with our win, but we'll talk about that later. So uh, let's look at the remainder of the week's fixtures. And, of course, on Friday night we had Essendon and Hawthorne. Uh, Essendon playing pretty well. Hawthorne just too hard to pick at the moment. Um, Essendon getting up 96 to 77. Two totally different uh, styles uh, contra- uh, met each other here. With uh, Essendon more with their running style and Hawthorne, with their uh, kick mark style, um, I think which I think is outdated at the moment, and I think that uh, Clarkson's, well, maybe just hasn't got the cattle. But um, it was it's good, a good contest, but Essendon in the end just far too good and ran over them. Yeah, uh, I didn't watch it. Westfold seems to. I mean, they're very much a confidence team, Essendon, and I, I'm not really too impressed with anything that Hawthorne are doing at the moment, but I don't think Clarkson's doing anything other than just shuffling his team around. There was some commentary about uh, Roughhead, you know, not getting picked when uh, their young lad got uh, got dropped. They tried, uh, who was it? Uh, Sicily, didn't they, for a while down there? Um, Crazy move, I thought. Well, yeah, but I think he's just, like, that's what Clarkson does. He's, he's quite happy just to have a look and see what the next premiership team looks like. And, you know, he makes no bones about that. I don't think, and uh, good on him, really, because I don't, I don't see any problem with that. Yeah, but while Sicily was down in the forward lines where the ball wasn't, Essendon was good scoring goals where the ball was. Yeah, but I guess they got to find out who can play and who can't, Mac. Don't they? Mm, he ended up back in, you know, in the back lines in, in the end. Yeah. Uh, so, very interesting. I, I did hear though that um, Hawthorne for this round uh, that was the oldest team uh, squad that was um, picked for the round. But Hawthorne have also had the oldest teams uh, for every round so far this year. Is that right? Yeah. That's very interesting. So 
Yeah, because they're talking about also um, a lot of the players who they've still got on their list who we haven't seen for um, because they've been out injured, etc. out of form like Ruffhead. They're all quite old. So I wonder how much of a turnover there is going to be at Hawthorne um, at the end of the year. Well, when you bring in players every year just by giving away your, your draft picks and you're not uh, drafting in the first round, etc., it's eventually going to catch up with you. Yeah, but I think, like, I don't criticise them for that at all, Macker. I think they've maximised their squad, and I think Clarkson's quite happy with the fact that they're going through a transition period, and he's probably sorting the wheat out from the chaff at the moment, uh, and they'll be back amongst it in a couple of years. And, you know, I mean, I think you, you buy yourself a, a bit of patience from your club and your fan base if you can snag a couple of, you know, flags. and he's that's got credits. Yeah, so, I mean, he's clearly a good coach. Uh, they've got faith in him. And uh, I, I wouldn't be too concerned. They'll hit the they'll hit the draft pretty hard over the next couple of years, I'd imagine, and uh, they they won't be far away. Uh, what else have we got? Um, we had on Saturday, uh, oh, bloody Gold Coast! I picked Gold Coast. I thought they might get up, but no. Uh, after being what six goals up, I reckon they were thirty three points. Yep. Uh, they, they go down by four in the end of St Kilda up there in Townsville. Uh, St Kilda 80 to Gold Coast 76 in what was reportedly a pretty average match apart from the fact that it was reasonably close. Well, if they said it was very uh, reasonably average, they exaggerated. It was the worst <laughs> game of football I have ever seen. Oh, seriously? So at one stage, I felt like scratching my eyeballs out, so I couldn't see it. Oh, I mean, no. The, I have seen amateur league games with a higher standard. We These are allegedly AFL standard players. They can't handball and hit a, hand, a player five metres away. They kick, they kick to the opposition. Uh, they fumble. Uh, they have shots for goal and kick it out of bounds on the full from 30 metres out. I just thought it was a it – it should be used as a display of how not to play AFL football that game. It was an absolute stinker. And as you quite rightly said – uh, Gold Coast, uh, they, they they do try. There's no doubt about it. They do try, but I'm not sure about their fitness levels because uh, they were definitely out of gas and uh, they, they they raised a last-minute effort and after having surrendered the lead and getting uh, behind. Uh, but, yeah, it was very frustrating because it puts our number one pick in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, I did like the the bounce actually highlighted a, you could hear a commentator, um, a supporter from over the fence yell out at a particular piece of play, with poor piece of play. Um, so this guy from over the fence yells out, it's bloody hot out here. We didn't pay to see this shit. <laughs> did, he, did he get thrown out? No, he didn't seem so. <laughs> that seems to mostly be only happening in Victoria. Um, but, you know, yeah. I, like I kind it. of agree with that. So That's pretty I, funny. I think, he, I think he, gets, he gets the anti-cock wobbling num yeah. the report. He gets the legend. Yeah, he gets the sweet. <laughs> uh, all right. And then we had, yeah, and just uh, before we move on, um, what did you, going back to the Hawthorne game for a sec, what did you guys think of the Stratton pinchy-pinchy? Games, definitely games. It's a it's it's a disgraceful look. Uh, I think it's cowardly because you're actually doing it to a bloke with his back to you all the time, as he did with his when he stomped on the, the other player's foot as well. Um, I, I would give him uh, two games for his pinchy pinchy and one game for the foot. 
Um, he's not going to get anything for the pinches um, because that's uh, there is uh, that's only ever been a fine before, and it'll be. He refers to the tribunal, Nikki. Um, the the stomping has. No, both. It's the stomping that's. Oh, both. okay. Well, that, that that's interesting because previously it's. I th- I think they'll have a case to um, argue back against the pinches because it has only ever been a fine before. Doesn't matter. Precedent um, doesn't. I, precedent means nothing. Yeah, we're fine on this. The the st- the stomp to me is particularly poor uh, because he directly looks at McKernan's foot. I actually think he might get more than one game over that because there's a really strong intention um, to do that. Um, from the the vision's very damning on him. I'm reminded of Andrew McLeod after that um, the buddy final, um, Massey on buddy etc. Uh, Rue's last ever game. And McLeod after the game, um, talking to him, uh, what it was like, and his response was, "I'm blacker now than I ever was." <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that is the. And I was watching. They were targeting both him, and they were targeting um, uh, John Cock, uh, very much so with punches off the ball, the pinchings. It's long been Hawthorne's style of play that they do that. They target particular players with that. Um, and the fact that it's now out in the open and it's kind of funny that everybody thinks it's just this one-off and Stratton's apologised and he feels really sorry about his family. Bullshit, dude, you've been doing it for years. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just finally been caught. Because Fantasia was just like, oh, yeah, he's, he's you know, he does that. Um, you know, he didn't think anything of it, but it was everybody else going, hang on, that's just not right and yep. that shouldn't be right. Yep. And you're right, Nick. They've been playing unsociable footy for a while now. Uh, they don't mind targeting players. They don't mind, uh, you know, uh, identifying weak links and try to get under certain players' skin. So, uh, and you know, look, he'll cop that Ben Stratton because that's the way he plays. That's the way he's always played. And uh, like, what do they care at the moment? You know, they don't. They don't really care. I wouldn't have thought. He won't lose any sleep over it. Anyway, no. Uh, so, and then we had uh, Fremantle doing the business over Port Adelaide. I thought Port Adelaide played reasonably well, uh, but Frio just did good in the end, getting up 100 to 79. I think you straight, you'd probably summed up well there, Veen. Um, it was a good tussle for quite a while until uh, Frio, uh, Paul, uh, Port just couldn't maintain it, and uh, Frio got on top. Mainly, it was mainly the mid, their midfield got on top, and once they got it down near Walters, he. He was just absolutely He was dynamic. on, wasn't he? Oh, when he is on, he he can potentially be the best player in the AFL when he's on, yeah. and he can be very, very ordinary when he's off. So, But he was 100, 110% if that's, that's possible on, and every time he went forward, he just looked like likely to kick a goal. And that's the one thing that Port didn't have in return. So uh, I thought Port were reasonably brave, but uh, I think they are pretenders and not contenders. Um. I would hate to be a Frio fan. They are so frustrating to watch. I only saw the, the last half because I got back from the SNFL game. Uh, but, oh, my God, the stupid little turnovers and they couldn't pass to each other, and yet they were dominating play so much in that third quarter. But interestingly, they are the best last quarter team um, in the competition, which I thought was um, quite interesting. People would, um, after the game were discussing, you know, the fact they've made it into six, they're actually doing this. They're likely to make finals. They're quite good on the end. You know, they're, they're, they're a chance here. And I'm thinking, yeah, who knocked them off? 
who who couldn't they go with in the last quarter? Yeah, and that was us. Yeah. So I, but yeah, they're, they're very very frustrating, and I, I agree with you completely regarding Walters. I imagine what a player he would be like in actually a slightly better team that oh, can deliver God, yeah. into the forward line. And I did kind of love him taking the piss out of Dersma with the Arrow. <laughs> well, did you like him blowing kisses to? Um... Uh, was it Robbie Gray towards the end there? When he got- yeah, it was oh, Robbie Gray. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a good time. I don't mind a bit of Michael Walters. Uh, now, Carlton Western Bulldogs game is the most ridiculous game of footy I've ever seen because none of them can play and none of them actually <laughs> wanted to win the game. In, in the end, Carlton got their way and lost it. Uh, Western Bulldogs did their best to lose it, uh, but unfortunately they failed and got up by three points. Well... <laughs> It was an interesting game in the sense that, I mean, you, well, once you tell you what in Carlton to lose, and I was feeling very, very comfortable in the Bulldogs. They they dominated for a quarter and a bit, uh, you know, maybe a quarter and a third. But then for the last two thirds of the second quarter, Carlton looked like they were a, a, a quality side and yeah. uh, the Bulldogs, they looked absolutely hopeless. Yeah. Siren goes for half time. Out they come. The Bulldogs dominate in the third quarter and build up their lead again. And yeah. then uh, you get the, you get part way through the last quarter, and all of a sudden, can't look like a quality side again. And but fortunately, uh, Bulldogs did steady because they actually did drop behind, and then they got they did steady and got up and won it. But uh, I, the glimpses that Carlton showed at their very best are a little bit scary for the long term, not necessarily this year. But they they they're going to you know. Um, Ed, not Ed Kerner, Charlie Kerno, he is going to be a star, star, star. And we missed to take him in the draft too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's been fairly obvious for a couple of years, hasn't it, that Kerno's going to be something. Look, I've got a theory about Carlton and their resurgence, Macca. I reckon half the reason they can get back into games is because the opposition don't set up defensively against them. Like you come up against Carlton and and you you're looking to win, you're looking to to get ahead of the ball. Players subconsciously probably getting ahead of the ball a bit, and it can catch you out because they do have some good players, and uh, they've obviously uh, got a, a second wind under Teague. I don't think it'll last terribly long because I don't think they have enough depth, mate. No, unfortunately they do. I was looking ahead of their schedule, and they do have uh, Gold Coast not too far down the track, and. I think that's going to kill our number one position. But uh, I, I think they'll, they'll probably get a one or two surprise wins as well, I reckon, because at their very best they can play some good footy. And then, as you say, uh, is it going to be sustainable? I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. Look, I don't think so. I think they've got a couple of keys out. Um, and the, like I said, if if you don't take care of your defensive side against Carlton, they could burn you. Yeah. Um, but look, anyone, any team, and I think, look, they've probably shown enough now that teams, teams are going to be a little bit more cautious against them. Um, yeah, they, they want to be. Yeah, so, I mean, anyone that's got Kerno and Cripps and, and a few of those blokes, I mean, they're not terrible. If those blokes have a day out, um, no. then they can then they can nip you. So I think they're probably not going to be seen as the easy beats and they're, they're probably going to... Coaches, I think, are going to spend a little bit more time just to make sure that blokes are switched on and are doing the work defensively against them. I still don't think they'll win more than one or two more games this season. Just one last word on Bolton. What does that say about Bolton then? Oh, I don't think it's, it also, I don't think it says yeah. anything, does it? 
No, because to me, every time you, you always have the bounce after a, a coach is removed because what you have is players not probably thinking about it obviously, but their understanding is, okay, you had this relationship with the previous coach. You might have felt a little bit comfortable. Um, you knew how he was going to play. You knew where your position in the team was. Now it's very open. You have to pull your finger out to make sure you're going to stay on the list. If uh, you know you want to stay there, you want to put your best foot forward because you you're not quite sure where you belong. Now I don't think that's a very obvious thought process that going to, but I think that's just something that sits there at the back of the mind and that gives them that little bit of a lift. Because yeah. um, you often. You often see that towards the end of a season where teams that are out of contention, all of a sudden players have to live because, oh, shit, I want a contract <laughs> for next year. Yeah, and that's what would... happens. Well, and they also play with a bit more freedom too, I think. You know, yeah. they, they are playing for their careers, but they're also there's nothing much on the end of it. They can just go out and play. And you think that training becomes a little bit more relaxed and game styles become a little bit more relaxed and coaches are throwing things around a bit and just seeing what players can do for the next year. So it's... You know, whilst no team wants to be in that position, I think it does actually promote a more relaxed vibe around the place. And, you know, sometimes that's all you need as a team. Mm. Anyway, um, the next game was this afternoon. And yep. GWS got up 91 to 68 there. A margin of 23 points. North sort of crept a little bit close towards the end of the third, didn't they? And then GWS kind of just skipped away. It, well, quality won out in the end. Um, I think, you know, it was really uh, a blue-collar versus a real professional. And uh, North Melbourne, they did scrap away. And I think they sort of ran out a little bit of gas. And uh, the mid that classy midfield that uh, GWS have got was at its very best today and... Uh, uh, whereas North Melbourne couldn't maintain their effort, they, got, they ended up getting run over by uh, GWS, and uh, it's that midfield is 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 definitely the best in the in the AFL. Although we actually beat it last week, so well, I, that's, I mean, is it the best? Is it the most uh, balanced? It's probably the mo- it's probably the most damaging when it's on, like it is, like it was. Um, you've got, and what they probably probably really lack is. Uh, one bruiser that just goes around Bilton a little bit, you know, and they're, they're all classy quality players, basically. That's what Mumford's there for. I know he is, but he's not very fast, Nicky. No. No, well, he, he, he showed that against Generally, O'Brien. I think that's, yeah. Um, and I, I generally think that's um, kind of why he's mostly in the team. He's there to protect um, the others, but most people know how to play around him now because he's not I mean he wasn't fast to begin with but he, he's definitely slowed down quite a lot Well, one, from the chat too Ben Davis raised, raises a very good point when you said look at who J, GWS have beaten and people are talking them up as a premiership contender but if you go through who they actually have beaten and who they've lost to at this stage uh, they haven't proven that they are up and say in the top two teams yet and they can't win on the MCG well, they have. They, they won their last outing there, Nikki. But that but wasn't look, against, not against the top side. No, not against the top side. Um, but even against some of the bottom sides, they've, they've struggled on the MCG. There's, there's something going on there. Um, and, and Paul sees that they did beat the Cats at the Cattery. Um, but I, I, 
Oh, I, I think there might be another prelim loss coming. You might be right. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not. It depends uh, on where the prelim is. No, no, no. I, I'm not as quick to write them off, Nick. I, I think they are playing with a lot more steel this year. They've got their deficiencies, absolutely, but God, they've got a lot of firepower. And uh, yeah, yeah, agree. Uh, they're and, they're and still I, my I premiership favourites at this stage. I, no. There's just, there's just to me, there's just a couple of questions on them that I, I think we really need to see how they go. And and I, and I think if there is another prelim loss, um, I'd, I'd be very annoyed because they, they, as you're right, they've got so much talent. They've actually got a really good. Um, both ends and a midfield. Um, they've got class everywhere and they've got a really nice balance, but I do wonder whether they might need a change in coach to just take them that next step. That's not a, uh, not a silly comment, Nicky, because I, I often wonder whether he is the right coach for them in, to actually put some real shit into them to take that one that last little step to be the, the Premier's. It's difficult to judge because he's got so much talent at his disposal uh, and they played some ridiculously good footy at times. It's hard to judge Cameron because yeah. you, don't, you, don't want to over, you don't want to overstate how much talent he's got because he's still got to teach him how to play footy. But then on the other hand, sometimes you think, geez, this squad should be doing better. Um, but I reckon, I reckon it's grand final or bust for Leon Cameron this year. I honestly do because... Mm. I mean, there's a lot of investment into that footy club from the AFL. There's a lot of first-round draft choices. Um, you know, they've got the pick of the pick of the uh, crop for the last four or five years. They should they should be playing in the AFL Grand Final. So anything less than that, I think, is uh, spells the end for Cameron. To be honest, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, disagree with that at all, Payne. Yeah, it, he might not do, but I think it probably should. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's there's a lot of faith for him. Um, a friend of mine actually used to be a physio for GWS, and so I've had some nice chats with her um, about what Leon Cameron is actually like. And, and she actually said in terms of teaching young players, that's what he's excellent at. Um, yeah. And he's that real kind of the mentor for the young players. So I, that's, I think that's why they're playing so well now is because, you know, he's done all that work. Whether he can take that next step with them is another question. Well, and that is the question, isn't it? And, you know, Bolton was credited as being able to teach young kids as well. Uh, maybe teaching young kids, he's, te- he's taught them as much as he's got in his kit bag. Maybe it now needs a mature coach to teach them how to win a grand final. Yeah. Mm. It's more anyway. about team playing now than yeah. anything else for them. Yeah, and all the intangibles. Anyway... Uh, let's push on because it's not the GWS show, and if it was, it'd only be nine people listening. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about our match, shall we? Enjoying the new music, you guys? Yeah, I like it. You don't mind it? No. You don't mind it? Um, not quite sure what's going on there. What? That's just a bit of Foo Fighters. Oh. Uh, all right, so... Not quite. 
I like all music. No, I don't think you do. If I put some Slipknot on, Macca, you might put the phone down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, Adelaide on Thursday night, the end of a gruelling 14-day stretch for Adelaide and uh, a pretty good finish uh, to that little run. Uh, getting up 15 goals, 11-101 to 9 goals, 14-68. They're a margin of whatever that is, 33 points. And, uh, look, it was a tussle all night. It was uh, uh, a bit touch and go at times, but I, I felt like we were always around the mark and we were always, even when we were behind, I felt like we were always sort of not in danger of losing control of the game. And in the end, I think uh, what was the pl- most pleasing thing was the way we ran it out. Very much so, as we have for about the last four games. Um, it was frustrating early because there's no doubt we were the better team. And there's no doubt that we were dominating and yet we weren't scoring. And um, there were a few errors and uh, Richmond made the most of their opportunities. And uh, we, it, was, even when we were behind in the second quarter, as the commentators say, you know, the Crows are dominating at the moment. And, and it sounded quite ridiculous when we were behind it, we're dominating. And that was probably because we didn't quite use the ball as well as we could have. Um, and that eventually uh, that we rectified that and that's when we got on top as, as the game wore on. And, uh, we, there's no doubt about it. We've got a we are a fit team because, as you said, we've had a very grueling schedule. When you look at, we had a six. I think it was a six day game, a break, six day break, and then a five day break. Yeah, which is, which is, that, that's tough going. And that, and we had uh, I think three injuries on the bench at the, uh, at the end, um, and yet that made no difference. And the boys just kept on powering on. So, I, I think it was a good win. Uh, we should have won the game, and uh, given the circumstances of it, with the reduced amount of time in between games and with the amount of injuries that we received, I thought overall pretty good effort. Um, on At the ground, the first quarter, our comments um, in our group generally were, well, we can't get any worse. Um, I wasn't too sure about that. I thought we possibly could still get mm. a bit worse, but there was a lot of improvement still there. We were allowing them to create the overlap run and I was thinking, Pikey will fix that. We'll, we'll see what happens in the second quarter. Yeah, we fixed it. We started to wear them down. I got a little worried going into the last quarter because it looked like Rob was getting quite tired um, at the end of the third yes. quarter yes, and a few of our others. And then the fact that we were down to then one on the bench and he rucked, I think, the entirety of the last quarter and we absolutely dominated. It's just that that wearing down as you said, Mecca, that wearing down style we're doing on teams, it's um, one that takes a lot out of us, but it takes a lot out of the opposition teams. And it seems that not many of them could go with us. Yeah, look, I don't know. Uh, I, to me, this game was all about just getting the win. Uh, I didn't really care how we did it. I don't. I think we were, yeah. we were tired. We were flat early. Uh, I think it took us a while to get into the game. Um, I felt like um, there are a few blokes looking for the finish line. And look, to be honest with you, when you're two down on the bench for half the game and three down for the for the last quarter, basically, um, you know, against a team who like to run and who like to chaos ball it and create, you know, half chances and all that sort of stuff. Um, and with their good players firing, uh, Martin was firing, Lynch played well. You know, all, all the blokes that needed to play well for them were playing well. I think it was an excellent effort to get up by three or four goals in the end. And to, to me, uh, this was just a, a, a case of trying to minimise any sort of damage. And to get uh, 
like if I look at that little block of games, to get two out of three, and and potentially we could have had the West West Coast game as well. Uh, it's mm. a pretty good outcome. Uh, pretty good outcome, um, and you know injuries notwithstanding, it's a pretty good way to go into the break. Yeah, no, excellent. We're going in there with uh, our sales up, uh, running high, and um, uh, we've got, uh, I think it's 15 days now. Is it? No, 17 days. We've got 17 days to freshen up, and uh, when we come back, we should be uh, ready to really uh, knuckle down and fill in. Uh, all the bruises should have gone, and we should be ready to go and uh, uh, have a strong finish to the end of the season, hopefully. I think you're spot on there, Fiend, at the start of the game. It looked like a team that was coming off a five-day break that played a very hard game against a team that had only played half a game of football. Mm. Yeah. And... Um, which essentially, we, we, we kind of joked about that, that Richmond only really did play half a game of football. But I, I think that's essentially what it was. They were a lot fresher at the start. Well, and they're just that type of team. You know, they run and they run and they run and they just create these little half chances and they're not particularly clean most of the time. But they can get you disorganised and they can get get you out of shape and catch you off guard. And it does require a bit of effort to to keep running defensively and to keep, you know, your defensive lines and all that sort of stuff. And a team that's a little bit tired mentally um, can find that a a bit of a struggle towards the end of a game like that. And... I felt the fact that we were able to run away from it uh, as we did with the personnel down that we were um, and given that Richmond had made a pretty good fist of it up until three-quarter time, I just felt it, it was a, a really good effort by um, a team that is look, is playing as if uh, they've got a, a high degree of confidence in themselves at the moment. Is that the impression you guys get? Yeah, I think that's a very good way to put it, uh, Fiend, that uh, they they believe in what they're doing. There's no doubt about that. And they believe that uh, if they keep persevering, even if they're behind, that they will get uh, get on top again. And that they've done that um, several times now in a row. The one time we've... Uh, and probably that loss to West Coast where we went the other way around was probably a bit of a lesson to us in terms of how we... And we didn't actually get our game plan quite right that day. Um what we've done since then is actually reverse that trend and uh, basically it's wear them down till they can't go with us. And I think you're right. I think they have a lot of confidence in what they're doing at the moment. So I think they support what we're doing. I think they support what the coach is doing. I think... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it, it seems to me uh, that they've all bought into to what's been brought over the last, you know, five, six weeks. Um, they're all on the same page. I think we're working very cohesively. Uh, the one thing that I did notice last night, and I was talking about this with Cam today, uh, we seem to be moving the ball differently this week. I don't know whether you guys watched, uh, noticed that, but when we were switching, we were very intent on going across but then cutting straight back into the corridor. Um, uh, we, we, we do that a lot. We, that's a, that's no, our preferred game style. Yeah, we haven't been doing it for the last couple of weeks, but we did it uh, almost to the exclusion of anything else at times uh, on Thursday night. And you could see when they did those down-the-ground shots, Richmond were running hard to cover the switch on, on the other side, uh, and we'd almost let them go. And then we'd we'd have those little 45 degrees into the middle, and I, I, I like that style. I, I think uh, it works well for us, and... Um, 
you know, it's a better way into forward 50, notwithstanding the fact that our forward 50 entries still need a hell of a lot of work. Generally, that is our preferred style, but the uh, really top teams, they place, uh, when they're the ones that have actually beaten us, they've put two people across the midfield area forcing us to go to the wing. Yeah. To, and it cuts that switch uh, out. We, some of the uh, more learned experts have picked up that we're exactly the point you're making that we go one way and zig, we'll, we'll switch all direct, uh, directions to get the uh, imbalance in their press and, uh, and, and get an opening. And uh, the good teams force you to only go one way. And, uh, and eventually, we've, uh, against some of the better times, we have beaten them because um, we just need that one little opportunity to get through. Um, so it, it's a good game plan. It's going to be sometimes not totally available to us, but um, and I think they, what, what's happened now is I think they've worked out an alternative if that gets cut out. So um, we're doing most things right at the moment. And I think it's also the way that we know Richmond like to do that pressure and to get the turnovers because a lot of their scores come from those kind of turnovers. And because we were doing those really wide switches and as soon as we got them sucked in over there, we knew that there was that space in the middle and we mm. could open and actually get in close because a lot of teams are very mindful of, particularly for us, stopping us getting close to the 50 to deliver in and, and deliver a decent ball in to our forward line. Um, they, they do prefer us to bomb it up and Richmond are very good at that. They, they like to get their numbers back. And that's how they get their their intercepts. It's so I think it was Feeney. I think it was a lot to do with breaking down Richmond defensively as well as we were doing it offensively. So it was count. It was to counter them. Yeah, well, you've got to be able to spread Richmond because if they start running in numbers, that's when it starts to become chaotic and yeah. all the rest. If you mm. spread them out, spread them out and create more, you know, one on one contests and. Uh, not let them run in numbers. Uh, their their potency drops off a little bit. Well, I thought they were quite good. I thought you know, I mean, someone mentioned I think maybe at one stage that they might have had one or two injuries. I'm not sure about that. Um, you know, maybe one. Oh my god, did they go on about it? But you know, uh, but they did play a good brand of footy. I thought Richmond. I, I think they made a good account of themselves, um, and they made us work for it. And we did work for it, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, we got the points. We got ourselves, you know, momentarily at least into the top four, and uh, I, I think it was a good win. Let's look at some head-to-head stats, shall we? And uh, 427 to 358 disposals. We certainly had our fair share of the ball, and uh, continuing on with this, uh, I, I like it, a uh, much higher kick-to-handball ratio um, than uh, in the first probably month and a bit. Uh, lots of marks, as you'd expect, with that sort of a, a disparity, 101 marks to 93. Um, Richmond uh, showed their intensity by smashing us in the tackle count, 89 to 56. Pardon me. So they didn't really let up. Um, and Adelaide's low tackle count is because we had the ball quite a bit. Um, you know, and that, But they worked really hard to try and get it off us. Uh, Riley just, O'Brien... Just- Just on that one, Fane, um, I noticed that that tackle count was very much, that gap was from the first quarter. Yeah. So I think from, if you take out the first quarter, I think the rest of the game is actually a lot more even in terms of the tackles. That could be right. Um, We really were off the boil in that first quarter. Uh, Riley O'Bine slaughtered that young lad uh, for Richmond. (laughs) 
um, 62 to 22 were, hitouts. There were two of them, and he slaughtered both of them. Yeah, he, actually, he he monstered them. Yeah, and you know, you could you could say you know that the Richmond guys were young, but Riley O'Brien's still young. In AFL terms, yeah. you know, 10 games in or whatever it is. So uh, good effort by Riley. Uh, showed that he's a step above or a class above um, those blokes. Um, look, our conversion rate. Uh, have you noticed? I keep saying, you know, our disposals per scoring shot is too high, but it's it's a it's a trend now. And obviously it's indicative of the fact that we are possessing the ball much more. Uh, far fewer slingshot transitions. Uh, far more considered transitions, and as a result, uh, maybe 15 or 16 is the new standard for this team with this game plan. Yeah, I think you're right there. And the fact that Lynch is out uh, as well, um, being a conduit to the forward line, is also has just slightly made us slightly change the way that we come forward, um, and that will also add on the number of disposals as well. So yep. um, Lynch is actually a vital uh, cog to actually reduce that number. But um, the one thing I will say, I'm, I'm pleased that we've actually not played that type of football with Lynch out and uh, played a much more physical type of game and a much more, um, as you say, patient type of game and uh, just kept wearing and wearing and wearing and, and won the game, which is always, I think, a much more satisfying thing than when you do do it in dashing style, and but you don't possibly repeat that the next week. Yeah, a lot more fragile, isn't it? Mm. Um, look, we flogged them in the clearances, forty-eight to twenty-four. Uh, our inside fifty count was sixty-one to forty-eight. As you'd, as you'd expect, their rebound fifties were slightly above us, forty-four to thirty-eight. Um, so you know, a, a lot of the stats in our favour. Um, I think with the clearance stats, it was 13-10 in the centre clearances, but it was 29-26 around stoppage. Um, for that 42-36 thing, we, even in contested marks, even in marks inside 50, um, so metres gain relatively even as well at 56-53. to 53. Um, So really, I mean, it was a game just one with, with a good game plan, a good execution after the first quarter, obviously. Um, and just maintaining our composure down the stretch and being able to pull away from them. And a big tick to Saunders for, for his uh, work in getting us to be a really fit and healthy side because of the fact that when he had 78 interchanges for him, which is Brent Richmond had 88, very close to the fully allocated 90, and but we couldn't because we didn't have the players to change. Yeah, and that's, um, that's uh, you know, that's not a small thing. When you're talking about... Uh, rotations being down to that degree, that's 20, 23 or 24 less than we're allowed. Uh, no, only 12. Oh, 12 sorry, down, 90, but... isn't it? It's yeah, 90. it's 90. Yeah. But by the same token, if you go by 25, it was the 90, but 22 a quarter, it's over half your allocation for the quarter. Yeah. So, you know, we really have, we're operating with one hand tied behind our back. And uh, I... Basically, I think mostly the only blokes that really came off in the last quarter were midfielders who were absolutely exhausted. Cooked, yeah. Another, yeah, another another one would come on, and they just kept rotating the cooked ones on and off like that. But I think it was a great effort by the boys. 
Yeah, that that was so well done um, on behalf of the, the coaching and the, and the fitness staff to identify who can and who can't um, come off, um, et cetera. But I think where it worked was so we were putting Greenwood up forward and Ellis Yolman and Sloan, we were rotating them more through um, the forward Our line. Forward line. And course, yeah. yeah, and, of course, that's what Sloan took, that mark that really instigated the run-on. He was playing up forward. Um, and Ellis Yolman and um, Greenwood still ha- had was still doing impact when they were down there in that forward line. Well, I think it's they've been pivotal um, going forward. Uh, Sloane in particular has been quite pivotal. Um, and my apologies for some reason my page slipped over to last week's game for the uh, some of those stats. So. Um, those clearance numbers through me were 18-6 in centre clearances and 30-18 to 18 in stoppage clearances. That makes more more sense. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, so I went back to the GWS game for some reason. Um, look, yeah, I, I didn't mind the tactic. I, I think uh, one thing that I, th- I might have mentioned earlier in the season, I didn't think we were getting enough goals out of Sloaney and it's nice to see him back amongst it because he does take a good grab. He is a pretty reasonable kick. Um, and the more... Uh, unpredictable we are up forward and the more we can have those guys just running through and having little cameos like Greenwood's done and Sloan's done and you mentioned CY as well you know that just makes us more difficult to play against mm. uh, and one thing I like about CY he, he has got good bulk and he uses his bulk to shift not just to bump but to shift players off of the ball etc yeah. um, no, he, he, he's very good at uh, shutting players down as well if they if they're on the ground trying to get a handball out, you just seem to be all over them like a great big spider and they just can't get out. Yeah. There there was a moment in the last where we've kicked to him um, just inside the the centre square and he's surrounded by three Richmond players and one of those players who's coming at him at pace is Martin. And he just puts the arms up, doesn't flinch, takes the ball. Martin comes past, you know, and just misjudges and doesn't get him. Most other players, when you've got Dusty Martin running at you, there would be a little bit of, bit you of know, panic. hesitation. Mm. And there was like, no, nah, um, this is my ball. We're going forward that, again. Yeah, I remember that incident, Nicky, and uh, it really stood out because it was, um, well, it's just so, it goes to show how far he's come this season. He, he, he's always showed that he's got some talent because he, I think he played the first 12 games last year, didn't he? And, uh, but this year, he's, I think he's gone up another level. Oh, look, I think we can stop talking about his rise, I think we can just accept now that, uh, um, you know, a lot of people misjudged his ability and uh, probably underestimated the fact that he, just as he was hitting his straps, he had that ACL and, uh, you know, after uh, fighting his way into the team under Walshy and then having that set back then and then having the ACL, uh, you know, it's fantastic to see that he's taken everything in his stride, but I think He's a genuine part of our midfield now and a very valuable part of our midfield. And everything you said was right, Mako. His ability to shift the ball, uh, shift the players uh, and smother uh, the contest at times. Is, and I think also his, his handball under pressure in close is quite underrated. Mm. Um, his distribution out of stoppages and out of congestion is, uh, is pretty first rate now. Yeah. It gives us a weapon that a lot of sides don't have, that. Uh, player who's got reasonably good pace and yet got a lot of bulk and, and not frightened to use it. Yep. 
All right, let's look at some individual stats, and it was a case of the Crouch brothers um, combining for 78 disposals, um, <clears throat> by far and away the most potent uh, brother combination um, in terms of disposals anyway. I think uh, the next best is Kane and Chad Corns, and they're miles behind. Uh, but to have two blokes like Matt and Brad, who complement each other so well, um, and particularly now that both of them seem to be running on top of the ground, Brad seems to be growing in confidence every week. Um, oh, he definitely is, isn't he? And uh, certainly the best game I've seen him play. 27 kicks, 16 handballs, 43 disposals, 3 marks. Uh, didn't kick a goal this week, uh, only 2 tackles. And I think that tackle count is quite telling in terms of how Pikey's got Brad playing because when he came back after his injury initially... Um, he that was his big thing. He was inside ball tackling, you know, all the rest of it, because it's pretty much all he could do. Now he's far more on the outside, uh, but not outside Rory Atkins style, but just not the first bloke in. Um, and as a result, we're using him far more offensively than we were in the past. I think very astute comment, mate. very astute because uh, when he, as you quite rightly said, when he came back into the side at the start of this year, that's. I mean, he was getting up to eight, nine tackles a game, yep. and uh, but not a lot of the ball, maybe 15 possessions. But his possessions have just grown uh, week by week progressively, and proportionately uh, the tackles go down. And that's quite right. If you're, if you're a ball hunter, and that means not just softballs, I mean, hardball as well, if you're going after that, you're not tackling. You're, you're going after the ball. And uh, that's reflected by the number of times he has got the ball. And obviously... The less time to, to tackle. Matt, on the other hand, is a little bit of both. Matt will, will generally always have a, a reasonable amount of tackles, although he's also being taught to uh, get on the outside a little bit as well. And because uh, he does use the ball very well with his little chippy chippies. Well, and we've got enough inside, haven't we? We've got Yolman and uh, Greenwood played uh, in the middle for large portions of the game as well. So. You know, we've got blokes that run through the middle and uh, I, I think it's good that we've been able to change their roles. I mean, Brad had six inside 50s. He had 11 clearances as well, um, four rebound 50s. So he's cover he covered both ends of the ground, which is uh, always good. 18 contested possessions. You know, probably his disposal efficiency is the thing that he needs to watch, particularly when he's getting so much of the ball on the outside. Um, but, um, you know, gained us 555 metres, 10 score involvements. Um, was a pretty good effort from Brad. Certainly three yeah. votes B crouched this week, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I was going to say that with it being Matt's 100th game, I think Brad, there, there was that little bit of lift, you know, of want to get a win from my brother. So he was playing like it was his 100th game and Matt was a little bit slow to start off with. I think the nerves got a little bit the better of Matt, um, but he got more into the game as it came on. But Brad was, that was one of the best games I've seen him play. I, I'm okay with those that, that disposal a bit because of that role. Um, that there there is a lot of pressure that you do get yeah. uh, from Richmond, and he he was getting those first the the taps from um, Riley down to him, and so it was just it was that quick kick forward, see what we can create. Yep, and um, the only thing I disagree with, I don't think he would be doing it for Matt. I think he'd be doing the show Matt. Yeah, up. I agree. There's, 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 a, there's a lot of rivalry between those two boys, and. There is. When you listen to them on 5AA, they're quite entertaining. They're on, they're on their weekly. And if you're not listening, to it, you should because they, 
they're very honest boys, and they actually speak the truth quite a lot. <laughs> and there's a, they do have a rivalry, but uh, but they also do have a love for each other as well. So uh, I would say, Nicky, yeah, he, he'd want to play, help his brother out, but he'd want to play better than him. So I would venture this, and Paul C's mentioned it in the chat as well. Um, given our rough start to the year and the fact that Brad's come on in the last couple of weeks, uh, if our form holds... I'd be putting a sneaky fiver for a top three Brownlow finish. If yeah. we fi- if we yeah. finish top four, Brad Crouch will finish top three in the Brownlow, in my opinion. Well, he certainly snaffled a lot of votes in the last three or four weeks. Certainly. Well, when you look at the I midfield complement this year, it's not a, it's it's far more even. We don't have the Tommy Mitchell breaking out all the time. Um, and a couple of others. It's far more even. Uh, Nat Fife is performing well, but not outstanding. Uh, Patrick Cripps is going well in a losing team. Uh, I don't know. I just got a sneaky about Bradley if he keeps on with this sort of form. Well, I think he was he was at five hundred to one or something at the start of the season. Yeah, there you go. And a few people, yeah, and a few people were put a few bets on then. Yeah, but gamble responsibly. Yeah, and Matt does raise a good point. You know whether whether the amount that he burns the ball was going to count against him. But I, to my way of thinking, umpires look at who gets the ball, not necessarily what they do with it. Hundred percent right. Yep. Uh, yeah, danger maybe as well. Anyway, look, uh, Matty Crouch as well as you mentioned, uh, the complete reverse of Brad actually. Twelve kicks, twenty three handballs for thirty five. Took five marks, only the one tackle as well. Three inside fifties, seven clearances, uh, one rebound fifty. Uh, Eleven contested possessions. Went at seventy one and a half percent disposal efficiency. Um, gained us two twenty three metres but had seven score involvement so completely different kind of game more Matty Crouch more of that link guy um, between the congestion and the outlet um, whereas Brad sort of more the uh, the playmaker yeah um, Matt was uh, more the ball hunter inside uh, a lot early in the piece but uh, with the CY and uh, what's his name um Oh, left footer. I'm having a mental blank. Atkins. No, big boy. Greenwood. Greenwood. Um, since the, since the the advent of those two guys, um, Greenwood was there early in the piece, um, and now once he got back into the side, um, they do all the bullocking work. And uh, as Fiend quite correctly said, um, Matt's role's changed, and um, it, he is playing very much a, a link role at the moment. So, uh, and he, he's often there when the, somebody's got the ball and they're in trouble and he gets it and he shoots and fires out the handball and they're pretty good handballs too. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with both the, the Crouch yeah. boys. Now, Ben in the chat's giving me a hard time because he reckons two weeks ago I said I didn't rate Brad. I didn't say that, did I? No, you didn't. I said I didn't, I, corrected him. I didn't rate Brad's defensive work and I still don't rate Brad's defensive work, but... I'm starting to come to the conclusion that maybe that's not high on his priority list or the coach's priority list either. And it's definitely not high on the umpire's voting priority list. They don't care. Uh, yep. no, he's in there to be the ball hunter and uh, not to sit inside but more outside. Yep. Uh, anyway, um, speaking of um, interesting stats, Lady 12 and 20 for 32, eight marks, four tackles, three inside 50s, eight rebound 50s. Uh 
nine contested positions when at 94% disposal efficiency. Gave us there we are. My question was going to be about how many of those were contested because uh, I think he had a lot given him to him and um, it also counts for his efficiency as well. Eight intercept uh, possessions as well, Mac. Um, I, you know, I I think Led's just doing his job at the moment. I don't, think, job, I don't think he's actually doing anything different to what he always has. I think perhaps we're relying on him less because we've got a more even defence at the moment. Well, there's a lot more work being put into Smith, and um, which that, therefore that releases uh, Laird as, uh, as rather than the one that they were tagging because they started to tag Laird at the end of last year, but this year with Smith really firing, uh, he's gradually t- taken away from Laird, and then as that's happened, Laird's form starting to pick up. Yeah. Um. They they were tagging Laird towards the start of the year, and they have I think even in the GWS game they still tagged him but they were t- they were doing a double uh, team with with him and Smithers um, but against Richmond they won't they generally don't tag more than one but they were definitely mindful of Smithers um, and they let lady go a bit more mm. yeah uh, Rory Atkins uh, pretty decent game particularly second half I thought 25 kicks four handballs for 29 11 marks kicked goal Two tackles, seven inside fifties, which is what he's in the team for. Um, only the one clearance. Uh, had eight contested possessions. Only went at sixty-two percent disposal efficiency. Um, he he seems to have this thing about over kicking the ball at the moment a bit. Um, nine score involvement, so six hundred and fifty-seven meters gained. Turned it over a bit nine times, but took six intercept possessions. I just think that was the kind of game that Rory tends to do well in, where it's a bit frenetic and, uh, you know, they were hard at it at the contest, but once the ball got out, it was pretty free-flowing sort of stuff. And I think that's that's where Rory Atkins uh, does pretty well. And I, I felt like he worked into the game really well. Yeah, quite, uh, I'd, I'd say he was very um, influential in the, the last quarter. Um particularly the, the fact that he didn't get a, uh, a rest either. Um, it, but I do give him a little bit of credit for this game, Fiend, because it, there was some contact that was coming his way, yep, and um, and he didn't shirk it and he actually went in uh, a couple of times where normally he wouldn't. So I, I think there has been a bit of talk with him. Uh, it was very interesting that Godden... Um, as uh, did actually say publicly that he's got a problem with his inconsistency and he's been told about that and he needs to work on it. Um, so um, I, I think we, we're seeing some evolution steps towards him, but um, I don't no, think we're, we're ever quite, we, yeah. we're never going to quite get the player that I think we want him to be. Well, well, what we want just before you get on, Mac, what we want is just a trustworthy player. If he can, yeah. if he can bring it week in, week out, we don't. He doesn't have to be crash and bash, but he needs to not go missing, and that's probably what Godden's been referring to. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind betting if Pikes had a, an honesty talk with an honest talk with him, uh, because in the last two games he has not shirked the ball, and yet you could every game before that he's virtually he's ever played he's shirked. One, at least one, if not many, um, and 
if you had a look at uh, the way Pike spoke to Jenkins in the first quarter on the bench, you, you would have seen it at the ground, Nicky, but on the TV, by God, he was really roasting him. Jenkins, I thought, was like a sulky kid, would not look at him, but there was no doubt about because in that first quarter, Jenkins was caught behind his opponent at least three, four times in that old oh, style with, that we all hate. And that, uh, and so Pikey came down and he really laid it into Jenkins and Jenkins didn't like it, but to his credit, he responded. And I have a feeling that Atkins may have been given the same treatment for Pike because Pike's relatively easy going until he's really got something to say. And when he says something, I think he gets very, very... I think the, the change between his normal demeanour and his angry demeanour is very great, and I think that's influenced Rat. Well, I think, I mean, Don Pike was a pretty solid player himself. Uh, you know, he was oh, a yeah. well, gritty midfielder, and I don't, you know, I I think he's got to the point now where he's, he's entitled to ask a few blokes, look, are you committed or are you not? And I'm sure he would have had that conversation with Jenkins. Um, and Jenkins has come back a better player for it. Um, Jenkins has also showed that he's not very good at taking direction, and by his own admission, it took him a week or two just to uh, get over that emotional turmoil. But, you know, I wouldn't mind betting that that Pikey or someone uh, of similar status has had a chat with Rat because he needed to. It was a a glaring issue that had to be addressed. Well, and I I think that... uh... I think you take the whole thing with Pike. If you ever look at the last three or four weeks, and we've gone and we have gone so much better, uh, all of a sudden Gibbs, bang, you're out because mm. um, you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. Uh, Jenkins, you, he had to play. I think it was five or six weeks in there, and to prove to Pike that he's that he's going to do what Pike wants. Um, so Pike is actually rewarding the guys that will do what he asks them to do. And if you're not going to play it the way or do what Pike wants you to do. You're out. And I think that's been put to Atkins because I think the last two weeks he's played the way that we would like him to play. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, now, Sloney again, I, I like the way Rory's playing at the moment because, uh, A, because we're not relying on him anymore to do all the heavy lifting, um, but he's still just cracks in 18 and 10 for 28, five marks, two goals. I like that part of it. Two tackles, six inside 50s, nine clearances, one rebound, 50. Um, he went at uh, 75% with 16 contested possessions, um, two marks inside 50, which is awesome, um, and gained us 332 metres with seven score involvements. Really like Sloane's game. I just thought, I just feel like Sloane is starting to move towards that contest, consistent reliable work, uh, not workhorse, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I think that Simon Moore sums it very nicely. He's able to still contribute even when he's got a tag on him. And, um, in fact, not only just contribute, sometimes kick the winning goals as well. So he he's... There was, he went through a passage uh, when, when he I think started last year when they started to tag him and he looked absolutely useless. But he's, I think he's grown and elevated himself to another level, thing where he, he can actually still be very, very useful even if he's got a tag. 
it's the the work that he does off the ball. It's those little taps. It, it's just him going hard at the contest and never keeping out of the play. Um, just because he's got a tag, he will find some way to influence the game. And that's something he's kind of always had. He's always had that desire to get in and under um, and, and be involved. But I think he's just got this more maturity around it, um, which comes with the knowledge. And I think there's um, he's done quite a lot of work with Campo uh, regarding breaking the tag and how to play it around it and to still have the influence. So, And I think that's what we're seeing here is that and just that little added bit of the, the captaincy um, with that on top of it, I think that's just given him that little bit of the lift. Yeah, I'd agree yeah, with that. He, he's one player that um, captaincy is not a burden but an honour and uh, something that makes him to go even better Nick. Uh, yeah, I don't think it actually plays much on his mind. I think it has a far bigger impact on Tex. I think Tex, yep. uh, yeah. it makes Tex feel a certain level of obligation and responsibility that I think has been impacting his, his game. And and we'll get to Tex, but the one thing that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is that Tex is playing with far more uh, uh, freedom, if you like. And I just wonder whether there's been a little bit of a shift in responsibilities or a little bit of a chat between the two of them because I don't, I don't Rory plays the same whether he's captain, vice-captain, you know, um, water boy. It doesn't make any difference to him. Whereas uh, Tex, I think he, he felt a bit of responsibility. Mm. I think you're 100% right there, Fane. Um, Yeoman played well, to, well again, nine kicks, 17 handballs for 26, uh, three marks, four tackles, six clearances. Um, just continues to get the job done. 12 contested possessions, 73% disposal efficiency, nine score involvements. He really is our in and under workhorse along with Hugh. Um, and uh, I think that the value of having... Cam and also Hugh when he's playing well in that midfield is that it does actually free up the Crouch boys. We're not relying on them to be the workhorses and it's certainly benefited Brad and I think we're getting more value out of Matt as well. Much better game from Greenwood this week too. Um, he had the 20 possessions this week. Yeah, and, I agree. And eight tackles. Yeah, so he he was... I thought his last game was, a, was down, very much down by his own standards but... Uh, I thought back to it this week. Yep. Uh, I, look, I, I think Huey would have been impacted by the late call-up last week, to be honest. Yeah, um, that, yeah. that's fair comment. Fair yeah. comment. Um, and rest- I, I, thought it was very, I just thought it was really interesting that when we named the team, we actually named Greenwood in the guts. Yeah. Um, and even though he started on the bench, yeah, he was named there. And when he came on, and he just... I think he got freshened up quite nicely, even though we didn't want to play him last week. Mm. I think the way we played him was to still be mindful to keep him fresh for this game. I think the way he played himself was that he didn't get much of the ball. (laughs) 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 Wasn't quite going there. Hey, uh, look, of the rest, I think we've got to give a special mention to O'Brien. As I mentioned, he uh, certainly monstered the opposition, had 19 touches himself. Five marks, which is good for a Ruckman. Seven tackles, which is excellent. 54 hit-outs, if you don't mind. Seven inside 50s and six clearances. That's the value that we're getting out of Riley O'Brien at the moment. That's the very reason a lot of us, including myself, thought we should go after Brodie Grundy. But if Riley's going to keep giving us those stats, 
then uh, we can we can spend our money better somewhere else. Well, yeah, hundred percent right there, Fiend. If, if what we'll tell with uh, Riley, um, because he is just getting better every week, and uh, I thought he's our second best player after Brad. Um, and when you have a look, I, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think he got uh, a very high number of clearances himself. Being. Yeah, he um, did. We had six uh, stoppage clearances uh, and nine score involvements. So, yeah, um, uh, you know. So he's not just hitting the ball, tapping the ball, and he did that 54 times. Yeah. Um, but uh, if he can like, even sort of break even with the big boys, then I 100% endorse what you're saying, that um, uh, leave Grundy alone for a year and get, chase him for nothing the next year. Well, and, you know, no, me, I've been a massive Brody get. Brody fan, you know, but uh, Riley O'Brien has really surprised me. Sorry, Nikki. No, I was just going to say that, you know, Grundy's probably going to cost money um, to get him to come back. And that money, is that something that we can use on actually increasing the salary for um, Cam Ellis Yolman, who's still a rookie? Well, and yeah. I, I think I think we need to keep him in the team. We don't need other clubs to come sniffing around. And there's a lot of other um, talk from Victoria that you know he'd be a star in another team. Well, the Cam Ellis Yeoman has resisted um, opportunities to be traded previously. He has. And he, I hope, I do hope that the club uh, reward his loyalty because. Um, you know, the temptation is to think, well, Cam's not going anywhere, so we don't need to pay him as much. But, uh, you know, he's putting in a rookie... This is a rookie-listed season from Cam Ellis-Yellman, which, what, by salary of, what is it, 45 grand or whatever, 60 grand or something? No, it's only... I think it's getting close to 100 now. Rookie? It is. Are you sure? Mm. I they, it's they, still around they the 60 quite, grand. And they've raised it quite significantly, I think. Mm. It's, still not, it's still not enough. It's still not oh, enough. Oh, when the average, uh, average wage is 300 and something, you're quite right. Well, I mean, we rookied him because he was coming back off an ACL, um, and that's fair enough, but he's been in our club, in our squad, for, what, five years now? Yeah, so more than that, I, think. I do hope he's being well compensated because he deserves it. He deserves it for the amount of dedication and getting himself back after that ACL, uh, the amount of effort that he and work that he did uh, with Hugh pre ACL, um, and the rewards that he's reaping for himself and the club uh, this year, he deserves it. So, I'm with you, Nick. I hope we uh, we have him in mind, Justin Reed. Uh, yeah, and we've also got Keith and Greenwood. Yes, I was going to raise who, that. Who need contracts? Yeah, and, and that who need contracts, and they're they're also on very nice salaries as cat bees. They're actually paid quite a bit extra than what most other cat bees would be. Yes, they are. So yeah, well, the only way we got Greenwood was he's on a very nice salary. Well, Alex Keith in particular, he's in all-Australian form at the moment and he's the number one interceptor in the competition. And uh, if he keep maintains his current form, he will get in the AA squad at the end of the year. So um, uh, he's going to cost us a little bit more too at the end of the year because apparently the Victorian clubs are really after him as well. Well, it's interesting uh, what you said about Huey, Nick, because that might, like I wasn't aware that he was on a bit of a buffed up uh, salary and that might be the reason why things are just a bit slow on that front at the moment because you would, I would have expected that um, 
his next contract would have been quite an easy one. But given his inconsistency this year and the thought in some quarters that maybe he's hit a bit of a ceiling, maybe they're just looking at how much value he adds and whether he's more value on the trade table, which as much as I love Huey, I wouldn't want him to go. Uh, it's not a like it's an understandable thought process by the club. Mm. Um, of the rest, uh, Tex I thought had a really good game, eleven and seven for eighteen. Took eight marks, uh, kicked three goals. Three could easily have been six, um, and just starting to uh, puff the chest out a bit. Tex, which I like, three inside fifties. He just looked like he was attacking the ball a little bit more. He had seven contested possessions, uh, five marks inside 50, 10 score involvements. And interestingly, gained us 400 metres, which shows the amount of work that he does up the ground as well. So I really like Texas' game, actually. Yeah, I think he had a very good game. And he's also, in the last two weeks, uh, starting to fly for the contested ball and actually getting off the ground, which he wasn't doing. Well, and two-handed too, Mac. Yep. Yep, it's very pleasing to see. So I think he's getting a confidence level back. Yeah, I I think it was partly that, but it was also partly he knew there's a slightly undersized defence. So he he knows he's he's not up against somebody who is an equal strength battle with him or has a reach or is as smart um, a player. So he had that advantage. So I think there's that little consideration that comes into it. but some of that that um, that hanger in the last was perfection. Um, Miller was disappointing, I thought. Uh, a quiet game for him, maybe looking for the bye. Uh, Jenkins, I thought... Uh, I... He had, just on Miller, mm. he had a fitness test before the game. Right. Worst game I've seen him play by a yeah. long, long way, and his disposal was by his standards, was terrible. Um, Which makes me wonder, was there an injection or something like that involved? Because it reminded me of that Mick McGuan game because it was so unlike him. Out of character. So, yeah. so unlike him. Mm. The poorest game he's played in terms of quality. There's no doubt about that. And uh, uh, you might well be onto something there, Nicky. Yeah, very true. Uh, Jenkins played a right after a slow start, um, 14 and 3. Start. Uh, seven marks, kicked four goals, three in the end, eight hit-outs as well. Um, look, uh, as you mentioned, Nicky, after he got a little bit of a spray, um, he certainly Massive turned around. Eight, eight score involvements. I mentioned that. Yeah, eight, oh, sorry, eight score involvements. Um, so finished the game off nicely after a, a shoddy start. Oh, uh, very, very good game. Good except game. for the injury. Well, yeah, the injury. Very good game except that first half, yeah. yeah the, the injury actually was a great idea, though. It was the smart thing to do. He didn't have time to bend it down. He wanted to kick it. It was just, ah. Well, Nicky, he actually said himself, he he said it was laziness on his part that he should have bent down. And if he had bent down, of course, he wouldn't have done uh, the, the, whatever he's done to his neck. Um, no, he actually condemned himself by saying it was laziness on his part that caused it. Um, I'll tell you what, though, is a similar part of the ground to where Seed is his and uh, I wonder whether they've chucked up, chucked in a, a new square of turf around there because uh, he said when when his foot dug into the turf there and then it yeah. caught, it looked like it was as a result of him cutting through the surface pretty easily and then hitting a pretty solid second layer. So um, yep. I hope they had a look at that. That foot looked trapped, didn't it? Uh, yep. 
which is why all the weight then go went through at the top of it and, and hyperextended it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and but his game was good uh, after he had the roasting. Um, yeah, he, he played, and he, he could tell that he was trying to prove a point after that. Yeah, look, I thought the back six were good without being outstanding. I thought, um, you know, uh, we struggled to hold Lynch once Tarly went down, um, but that's understandable. The guy's forty-five foot tall, yeah. um, but everyone I thought did their task, and Mister Betts, of course, um, kicked his usual ridiculous goal. Lovely goal and a lovely, lovely moment in football too. Um, uh, some scribes in Melbourne, uh, and one of them in particular, should never have been critical after his own antics. Um, uh, Criticised uh, the Richmond player for uh, giving a high five and a bit of a hug to Eddie after the goal, but they, you know, they they were having their own byplay during the game. And uh, he had his little moment telling Eddie that you, you know, I beat you, won't get no special goals tonight. <laughs> and he did. And, you know, and they're both Indigenous boys, and that's the way they are. And I thought it was a lovely moment, a lovely moment in footy. Um, so, and of course, and it's Sydney Stack, who nobody had picked up at all because he's had some very serious off field issues and, and people weren't sure whether he would be able to knuckle down and actually fit within an AFL environment. Now, Eddie has actually done some work with Sydney. Um, they're actually really good mates um, and Eddie is a mentor to him. So there's that whole background behind it, which is why you get that byplay that was back and forth between them. Sydney had had a, a great game as well. He, that kid's going to be an out-and-out star. Yeah, they put up a for nothing. Yeah, um, but that's because he had those issues which people didn't think he would. And fair play to Richmond. Uh, they faith in their system to, to turn him around um, and, you know, and to keep him on the, the straight and narrow, etc. So there's that byplay that's involved with that, with that, that moment. But the other thing I think is great is that Luke Brown reported to Eddie after the game that um, – Dan Rioli actually said that he's always wanted to play on Adelaide Oval when Eddie kicks one of those goals. Yeah. Yep. And so that's the esteem that Eddie is held in. I mean, you just think if you're an Indigenous player, that they're not many of them in the competition. A lot of them, are, this is a chance for them to set themselves up and um, for life. And we have seen recently with... Unfortunately, some of them do go off the rails still. Unfortunately, there there are some issues around that. But the revere that Eddie has held in, the fact that when he kicks, so when Eddie picked the ball up, the roar started. He didn't. He hadn't even got it on his boot, and everybody was knew what was coming. And then they go into that Eddie chant. Um, just imagine how you'd be an indigenous young man standing on that ground, hearing this huge crowd chanting the name of somebody that you idolise and look up to and you want to play like. It's just a sensational moment. Good summary, Nikki. Yeah, very good summary. Um, we know the, the brotherhood and the mateship around the Indigenous players, as you rightly point out, Nick. I couldn't see it. one thing wrong with it. In fact, you know... There should be more of it. Well, it's the spirit in which the game should be played. And, you know, I don't think... Uh, Hardwick thought for at one moment that Sydney Stack wasn't focused on beating Eddie and uh, anyone else 
that came along at any point during that game. Um, he'd obviously been giving Eddie a lot of stick during the game and felt pretty good about himself because it wasn't long before the end of the game and Eddie and he just blocked one of his shots. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he would have been feeling pretty good about himself. And then for him to have the good grace to... to to acknowledge the fact that Eddie got him in the end. Well, I can't see anything wrong with that. Anyway, um, just an, I just want to talk about Betts' goal for a minute because I actually think that's the best goal he's kicked out of all of them this year so far. Oh, it was actually the hardest goal. Well, it's the hardest, hardest one. You, well, you've got to, you know, you've got to it, spin the ball away from the goals and you've got about a metre <laughs> and a half clearance, Macker, and you know he actually ran to the spot where he knew he had the right angle. Yeah, I couldn't believe because he actually kept running and making it more difficult. Yeah, and but... yet, uh, and almost uh, illogical that the ball could go through because he's actually spinning it away from the goal. So he must have yeah. been virtually skimming the points and just curved at the right moment through the goal. Just a magical kick. Well, it has to be you, goal of the year. When you look at the way he kicked it, it's more. It's almost more overspin than side spin. So he got just the right amount, but. To my way of thinking, those blokes just innately know that they have, you know, subconsciously the ability to, to pick the angles. And he knew what sort of kick he was going to be able to do and he knew where he had to kick it from, you know. So actually, even though it looked weird because he made the angle tighter, I think he, he went to where it was going to accommodate the kick that he wanted to use and he, and he just nailed it. It was, it was a fantastic goal. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Had me like, screaming and yelling in my lounge. It was just unbelievable. Because, yeah, but because of the way he kicks it, that it goes out and then it comes in again. If he'd snapped where he was when he picked the ball up, it would have gone through for a pointer out on the full. He actually does need to be straight on for that kick to work. So everybody's going, oh, he's running towards the boundary to make it harder. It's Actually, he's running towards the boundary because that particular type of kick, the angle that he needs it to go on, he almost needs to be parallel for it to work. Yeah, but yes. geometrically, Nick, Nicky, going running towards a battery does make it harder. And the type of kick that he kicked with the uh, – it's a curve away from the goal that he's got on the ball. So it's uh, – geometrically, it's a brilliant kick. It's just brilliant. Oh, it is. But as Tech said, he does it that often. It's not a freakish thing for Eddie. No, it's not just for Eddie. No, no, that's for us mortals. It is the the thing, and, and quite honestly, so I'm trying to remember who in the chat said, you know, is he now the best small forward to ever played the game? And I think yes. Well, I, yeah, they mentioned they mentioned Dacos. I saw Dacos play, and 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 the, look, Dacos was very clever. But Eddie is just if you put Dacos's highlight reel up and put Eddie's highlight reel up there, um, Dacos's would be uh, the little little. Uh, film you'd have as a precursor towards Eddie's film <laughs> um, because Eddie's just got so many of them. Yeah, but, you know, that's only occurred since he's come to Adelaide. You would have put Dacos and maybe even Steve Milne ahead of uh, Betts in terms of contemporary small forwards. I can't really speak for, you know, the, the pre-AFL days but or pre-early you know early VFL days, but certainly in terms of the last probably 3 or 4 years he's i think he's got about them uh, just because he is consistently able to do those magical things and uh, his goal awareness is so innate and uh, he, you can see his eyes light up when the game is there to be won and he's in the thick of it you can just see 
him lick his lips and and think right how am I, how am I going to make this work for me? And he he always finds a way to influence in those in those moments. So I, I would have him as best. Yep, he's, he's the best for mine. Um, anyway, all right. Well, look, we're getting on, so let's quickly go through our award, shall we? Because um, I think, actually, to be honest with you, as much as Riley O'Brien's been playing well, I think this might have been a breakout for him. Yellow? Yep. Yep. Yeah, the music started, then it disappeared. We were waiting yeah, for yeah, we the music <laughs> for you to talk. <laughs> so then we know when the music's finished. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so the breakout of what I was saying, that uh, Riley O'Brien's had a couple of good weeks, but uh, I'd almost have it, even though they're both old stages, I'd almost have Brad and Riley up for the breakout awards this week because uh, both of them just took another step, in my opinion. Both outstanding and went to... Yeah, I think you're quite right. They both went to new levels, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to both of them tied for it because uh, they were both outstanding efforts and their best games. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think what's actually helping Brad was the fact that he's worked with Riley in the SANFL, so they did. So I think that kind of helps him as well. So the combination together, I think, is um, a definite for this week. Yep. I can go along with that, and uh, you could almost put uh, Bradley in this next award as well because he really is starting to turn into a bit of a jet, his defensive work notwithstanding, M- M- Nicky. Uh, a lot better this week. Didn't didn't kind of have anything for me to um, yell at him about. No. It's my vote. Definitely it's my vote. Yeah, the I think so. And... Uh, I don't know how you feel. There weren't too many passengers on the weekend, but uh, to me there was one guy that really stood out, Macker and Nicky, and uh, I don't know whether we were just putting him in to get us to the bye or whether he's seen as an <laughs> integral part of our season. But... Richard. <laughs> uh, I, even though I know he had the fitness test and I thought there was something wrong, I actually think Miller... Yeah, I, I would go Miller too because um, I know you had probably Richard Douglas in mind, but um, I thought that Miller um, it was he cocked up more than he has normally, and uh, and also didn't do all the things he normally does. And it could well be for very good physical reasons, etc. But uh, right. yeah, I, well, he gets let, my vote. Let Let me put this into perspective for you, okay? Because you reckon Miller was way down and may have had a jab and all the rest of it. He's had one more kick than Douglas. He's had two more handballs than Douglas. He's had three more marks than Douglas. Uh, he's had one less tackle, tackle than Douglas. Uh, he's had... ratings are both? Uh, just bear with me one moment. Uh, his efficiency rating is uh, 7% below. So they both had four contested possessions. Uh, Miller had 12 effective disposals to Douglas, 11 effective disposals. Um both had three one percenters. Um, Douglas had a couple more um, score involvements. They both gained about the same meterage, and they both spent about the same amount of time on the ground. So I think case closed. Douglas wins it. <laughs> <laughs> With an honourable mention to Smithers. Ah, oh, Smithers. What are you talking about? Oh, bloody getting caught and oh, yeah. 
come he on. Was not quite that bad, Nicky, but he, he was down a little, I thought. He wasn't That's that... why honourable mention. No, he wasn't honourable that best. mention only. He wasn't that Look, the honourable mention should and the cockwomble this week should go to Lachlan Murphy for forgetting his <laughs> mouth guard. Mouth guard. Yes, yes. Forgetting his mouth guard, not having a backup, of course. And, uh, you know, saying to Dougie before the game, I forgot my mouth guard, I hope I don't cop one. And sure enough, Murphy's Law, pardon the pun. <laughs> Uh, well, Eddie, I heard Eddie saying, a very, uh, talking about that very same topic, and uh, Mikey pointed out he had his mouth guard, and he said, no, nah, you'll be all right. <laughs> he said, how do I feel when he get next, a few minutes later, he's got no teeth. Unbelievable. Anyway, so, uh, look, that's it. Look, uh, we'll wrap that up there, I think. Thanks very much to everyone in the chat. 600-odd uh, comments again. Thanks, guys. You guys are just amazing. And no Vardy magic Oi. to prop you up Oi. either. What? I'm not on Tuesday, so cock rumble. No, I haven't got time for Cockwumble. We'll have to wait. Um, oh, I've got some good ones. Oh, hang on a minute. Um, while we're, I'm looking for some bloody music, because I've got a little diva here that wants to do a little piece, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, have to say a mention to uh, um, Ryan at Smith Partners Real Estate. Uh, thanks very much for the support. Obviously, Smith Partners Real Estate at Golden Grove. And down to earth electrical as well. Uh, obviously, also uh, thanks very much to uh, Tim's ongoing support at Hardware Unbox. Have a look at his YouTube channel, Hardware Unbox. And of course, we need to say a very big thank you to all our patrons at Patreon. If you want to support us via Patreon, then please go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast or click the orange button on. Our website now, Nikki. You just yes caused me no end of pain here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to find your bloody. Where is it? For God's sake, God, here it is. Go on. They better be good. Well, well, Murphy for forgetting his mouth guard. Yeah, move Um, on. Gary Lyon for being an idiot with his aftermatch comments regarding um, uh, Sydney Stack and Eddie Betts. The Herald Sun for then trying to say it was a debate raging about it. No, when one person says it and everybody else is saying he's an idiot, that's not a debate. Um, And Matthew Richardson for saying that um, JJ had been playing in the VFL. Yep. (laughs) Oh, it's called the S out of it. Oh, come on. I don't mind Richo. I don't mind Richo. I know, but that was that was a bit stupid. Um uh Stratton's apology was just ridiculous, um, as we've um kind of talked about. Um uh, and but a, a lovely mention to the AFL who said there's no crackdown on player um no supporter behaviour, there's no crackdown, there's no crackdown, there hasn't been a crackdown. Then the Marvel Stadium CEO comes out, comes out and says, yes, we've cracked down. Uh, we've done that in the past couple of weeks. We've probably gone a step too far and we're going to reverse that decision. That was going to be my nomination. Yeah. yeah. With, um, I don't want to give this too much air, but there was some dickhead on um, one of the Facebook channels, I think, that made a really 
average reference. Um, and he was called out, uh, might have been on Twitter actually, he was called out on Twitter and the Port Adelaide Football Club were hashtagged into that or tagged into that. So I hope to God that that bloke um, uh, got banned uh, from the Port Adelaide Footy Club membership. Uh, I hope Koshy took it seriously. It was a genuine post that he made and it was just sickening. So, um, yeah, he's definitely a cock mumble, but uh, I won't go into what the content was. I think most people in the chat yeah. know what I'm, I'm talking Jenkins. about. No, 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 I'll tell no. you off we'll, we'll just leave, We'll just leave it at that, Macca. Just um, leave it at that. But, but I, I do I, hope I, that the Port I, Adelaide Football Club took that seriously. Yeah, and, and the cock mumble, whilst... Uh, Often, sometimes it's been things that we've got angry about. Sometimes we also like it that they make us laugh, um, etc. But I think probably uh, Stratton needs to be the cockwombling numbers of the week. No yeah, problems. I'm happy with that, Nick. And uh, we'll wrap that up at this point. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live. But obviously, with the bye week coming up, there'll be no rev up this week and no weekend wrap this weekend, next weekend. So the Tuesday Night Live on Tuesday as per usual and uh, a couple of announcements to make during that show as well. So we'll see you then. In the meantime, thank you, Macca and Nikki. Pleasure. Same. Night all. Night Night all. all. We'll see you on Tuesday night.